I'm super excited, and I'm just trying to think of where I want to get started. Uh, this morning, I actually wasn't going to give any words, or just, I didn't really feel whatever, and so I said, Lord, unless this is, like, absolutely pertinent, I would like to preach a message this morning, um, and I actually have something, but it's not for a particular person. When I walked into the back in the prayer room, I just want to encourage you, like, if you should be in the back prayer room. I just want to say, or join into prayer in some capacity, because a lot of the times God will speak to us, and he'll kind of interrupt what we're doing and give us like these little pieces of information when you're just in the atmosphere of prayer. There's something that happens when you're in just that corporate atmosphere. And so what I want to do this morning, actually, is, is I feel like the Lord wants to honor people who've been serving the Lord for longer than like 15 or 20 years. Okay, um, and not like you're 15 and you got saved at birth. Okay, that's not what I'm looking for. It's people who like are, you know, so you're in your older years. If you've been serving the Lord for 15, maybe 20 years or greater. Can I just ask you to stand up? Okay, so what I, what I like is if we could kind of like gather around these people. Uh, we're going to pray, lay hands and pray for them. Because I feel like what the Lord wants to do is he wants to release a fresh wind or like a fresh fire or passion for the Lord. Uh, for the next leg of the race. Um, because one of the things that I've become very aware of is that even in myself, I'm kind of getting up to those years where I've been pretty well actively serving the Lord for, you know, 10, 15 years now. And, and I feel like what is happening is there's this great transition from people who have been really the fathers over kind of the, what's happening in the movement. And there's like a promotion into the, like the grandparent realm but with that, I believe what the Lord wants to do is, is to kind of emblaze you with a fresh passion because he doesn't mean that we're going to slow down, yes. okay? But that there's going to be new wisdom, there's going to be new resources, new understanding that God wants to deliver to you so that you are just as effective, if not more effective in what you're doing. So let's gather around them. I just want to lay hands. I really feel this very strongly and I'm kind of being, you know, casual about it, but I want to lay hands on them, physically lay hands on. So get up. If you're not, if you've been serving the Lord for under 15 years, I would like you to be touching someone who has been serving the Lord for over 15 years, okay? And if you're not comfortable with that, that's cool. Like, you could sit. Um, but I just do this. And so I just want to ask you, like, do the very best that you know how to, to just stir yourself up. Um, this is, I believe this is a very significant thing that God wants to do in the sense that he's launching these people into a new season of what they're doing. So Heavenly Father, right now, Lord, we're declaring, Lord, over each and every person, God, who's standing, who's been serving you, who, who you desire to honor this morning, Father, we're declaring over them, Lord, that Holy Spirit, you would come and that you would touch them with a fresh wind and a fresh fire right now. I want each and every one of you who's been serving the Lord for like the, the period of time, just take it a nice deep breath, okay? Nice deep breath, and now just release it. Father, we're declaring, Lord, this morning as you are doing a new work on the inside of them. Father, we're declaring over each and every one of them, God, that the best is yet to come. Lord, I'm declaring over them right now that heaven is at their disposal. God, that you would teach them 
the new thing that you're doing, Father, that they would understand what it looks like and feels like, God, to lead from this new season. Lord, where there maybe has been, their passion has dwindled, maybe with their age. Father, right now I'm declaring, Lord, that you are restoring the passion of their youth, the desire of their youth, God. Lord, or even to that they would burn brighter, Heavenly Father, in this new season. And we're thanking you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So you can sit, sit down. Thank you for that very much. Thank you. You know, there, there really is something amazing that God desires to do. Uh, the, when you're faithful to the Lord, right, and you possess his attributes, th those are the people that, like the scripture says, that the eyes of the Lord are moving to and fro throughout the earth, searching for a man whose heart has been, really what the word says is faithful. That when you're faithful to the Lord, the Lord notices and he sees you and, and he desires to pour out on you as a result of your faithfulness, okay? And anyways, that's what I want to say. Well, anyways, that was good. So good morning, everybody. We're going to shift gears now. Y'all doing okay? Did I freak you out? No, all right. Okay. I know I'm way weirder than that. That was pretty normal for me. Okay, um, so I heard this story recently, actually, and it was a pastor, and he was doing a building project for his church, uh, and they wanted, to, their church was growing, and so he wanted to build a new sanctuary, and so he, he stood up in front of the church and, and said, you know, we're, we're doing a building fund offering, and this morning I feel like there's somebody in here who, who just, you're going to give $1,000, and immediately at the back of the room, this older woman jumps up, and she's like, I will, I will, and he said, perfect, so because of that, what I'm going to do is I'm going to let you choose the next three hymns. And so she's like super excited. She's like, yes. And she writes her check out and she runs up to the front and the pastor like receives the check and she says to the older woman, all right, now choose your next three hymns. And she looks up to the ground and she says, I'll take him, him, and him. <laughs> all right. That will not be happening this morning. Just, just so you know. Um, so this morning, you know, uh, I, I just wanted to say it, you know, the Lord has been, I've been so excited with what God is doing. And, you know, this has been for me, and I'm sure that for a lot of you, and a lot of you that I talk to, this has really been a phenomenal year for us. Uh, and, and I mean, like, I'm thinking about it, we're only halfway through the year. And God has already done, I mean, like, there's obviously things that I'm believing the Lord for, and I'm sure that you are, but I feel like even in the beginning stages of this 2017 year, that God is going exceedingly abundantly above and beyond, okay? Can, like, are you feeling that? And I just want to encourage you, hey, Dad, come on, have a seat. I just want to encourage you to say that if maybe you're not, he just wants to be up here so bad, that's it. <laughs> Maybe if you're not experiencing that, you know, we're only halfway through the year and God is, I'm telling you, ready and prepared to meet us at our level of expectation this year. You know, the, the, the whole purpose, and you know, we have it written on this, this wall and we have since the beginning of the year that it's our year of great harvest. And I feel like what God is desiring to do in us is, uh, you know, as we get into our sixth month now, so we're kind of like halfway through, that God is really desiring to re, like, refire us with this reality that says, you know what, maybe the first six months of the year wasn't that amazing, but God is going to stir our hearts so that we can believe and expect that the next six months of this year is going to be the greatest year of our life. Amen. You see, God can do that. God is absolutely willing and ready to meet us at our level of expectation. 
that whatever you can expect that God will do in the next six months of your life, God is absolutely ready and willing to do. In fact, oh, that was... I'm going to go preach in like a small section over here because Barb is over here. And so I know she's going to be excited, right? No. But this is the thing. This is the reality of where we are. And, and, you know, after my mom and Jess were here on Wednesday night, I want to encourage you, if you didn't get to be here on Wednesday night, go, you know, back and watch it online, lifetiftingchurch.com, and you can watch last Wednesday's service where my mom had a prophetic dream about the, basically the next, you know, I think it's really two months that we're talking about, but all that God wants to do at, it, really to close out this year and how it's literally phenomenal the way that God set it up, Okay. But, you know, and, and really, I think that what the Lord has sent me here this morning to do is really and very simply to just get us back to the place where, oh, yeah, you know, I forgot that it was the year of great harvest. And now, okay, right, this is where my focus is going to be, okay? This is, right, this is my attention. You know, maybe it didn't seem like anything changed. Okay, right, but I'm going to refocus my attention on what God is doing, right? And so after Wednesday's service, you know, I'm, I'm pumped about this because I'm really having a great year so far. I mean, like, and I just want to keep telling you because, like, maybe it will spark your excitement, right? You'll be like, yes, Alex is having such a good year, so so can I, right? But I'm, I'm having such an amazing year. And so when I hear this message on Wednesday night about the fact that, you know, God is in the next two months, he's ready to basically go, like, way beyond even the place of my imagination, Right? And so I'm like seeking the Lord, and I really have been this whole year like, Lord, like just show me, like what do you want me to do, and all these things. And, and you know, and, and this, this past week since last Wednesday, I've been, you know, after the Lord asking him, okay, Father, just show me, like what is it that you desire to do on the inside of me? Like what is the new thing that you're doing? And, you know, I'm really expecting that God is going to, you know, hit me with this new revelation. And every time I am, I'm asking him, I keep getting reminded of this conversation I had with a good friend of mine where the Lord was talking to him about how he's going to break through in this year. And he told him, go back to the basics, right? And when he asked the Lord, Lord, what are the basics? The Lord said to him, the basics are, I'm so excited, I forget what they are. <laughs> yeah, okay, I got them here, I got them. They're prayer, meditation, and confession, prayer, meditation, and confession. And one of the things that I've discovered about, you know, my, my, you know, the transition that my life has had since I've really gone after living by faith is I would have to say that the main thing that I will attribute the success in my walk with the Lord to is that these three basics have remained a standard that they have just kind of carried along with me throughout my whole relationship with the Lord. That one of the things that I guarantee you every morning that if you come talk to me, you know, by 9 a.m., I'll tell you I've prayed, I've meditated, and I've done some confessions. And I'm telling you something is that as we're getting ready to get to step into the second half of the year, maybe you haven't experienced exceedingly abundantly above, you know, and beyond all you could ask or think or imagine. But I feel like the Lord has sent me here this morning to tell you that the way that you get there is you come back to the basics. That every day we show up and we just simply do the things that the word tells us to do. You know, sometimes we can try to super complicate how do we live by faith. Sometimes we could try to, you know, think that it's in this or this new revelation or that. But this morning what I want to do is we're going to take a look at Jesus' life 
And I'm going to show you how the way that Jesus manifested everything in his life was his life was categorized by three things. Prayer, meditation, and confession. And that if this was the journey that even Jesus had to go on, how much more in our life should we try to mirror or model what Jesus portrayed for us as to how we access the kingdom of heaven here right now? Because you see, we have been given that authority. I mean, the Lord's prayer says that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. God has given us the right Simply in who we are and understanding our position in Christ, I have the right to call for anything from heaven to be manifested in my life right now. Like not maybe sometime in the future, if I do good enough, or if I live, no, no, right, right now. That I have the right to access heaven and all that heaven has laid up for me, all that Jesus purchased on the cross for me, I have a right right now to access those things from heaven. There is nothing in your life that is more powerful than the word of the Lord. Barb, come on, Barb. Let's do this. Me and you, this, this is happening, right? There is nothing, right, in our life that's more powerful than the word of God. See, there is nothing. I want to tell you this morning, if I can get the word of God in my heart, it will manifest whatever I believe. And if I want something to change, let me tell you, I don't even have to worry about it. All I have to do is actively get the word of God in my heart and hey, it's, it's already done the work, right? Jesus hung on the cross and declared what it is finished. The curse, sickness, poverty, death, disease, those things were accomplished 2,000 years ago. And when I believe the word of God, what I do is I step into the realm, the right, the identity that Jesus purchased for me 2,000 years ago. There is nothing more powerful than the word of God in your life. It has the ability to change any and every situation that you might be facing past, present, or future. It's already ready. It's already, the scripture says, gone into your future and working things out in your future for you right now. That's what the word of God is doing at this very moment. And as I believe it, what is it? I become now a recipient of what Jesus has already done in my future, and I bring my future into my right now. You with me? Okay. All right. You see, there's no secret. We access the power of God by simply doing what the word tells us to do. That's it. And it's not that when you do the word, now God smiles on you, and because he smiles on you, he's going to do something for you. Right? We know, come on now, we know that's not true. Right? We do the word and the things the word tells us to do. Why? So that the word can change us. So that I can be the version of myself that believes what Jesus says more than I believe in what the world tells me is the truth. Right? I do my prayer and my confessions not because I'm trying to move the hand of the Lord. I don't, you know, I'm not meditating so that God smiles on me and sees what a good little boy I am. That's not why, why I'm doing them because I need the reality of the word 
in my life to be more real than the reality of my current bank statement. I need the reality of the word to be more real than the doctor's report. Okay? I need the word to be more real than maybe the divorce papers that you were just served. Because I tell you something, the word of God has enough power in just a moment or a word of it that it will change literally everything in your life. There is nothing in your life that is more powerful than the word of God. That's why I read the Bible. That's why I pray. That's why I confess. Because I need to believe that what Jesus said, this is the truth. This is the truth. Okay? You with me? Yeah. yeah. All right, good. <laughs> okay. So the first thing that we're going to talk about this morning is that Jesus, he prayed. He lived a lifestyle of prayer, right? In Luke 6, 12, it says this, that it was, it was at this time that he went off to the mountain to pray, and it says that he spent the whole night in prayer, okay? Like, we're not talking about, he said, like, his bedtime prayers, right? You know, <laughs> that's how, this is saying what? He spent his whole night in prayer. That means he valued prayer more than he valued sleep or he understood that in prayer let's go here okay <laughs> that prayer can take you into a dimension where you defy physical laws i mean if this was jesus's habit that he's just praying all night i mean we know he's not sleeping during the day He's out ministering during the day and praying all night. What? I'm telling you something. We were born to live above these natural laws. Okay? So anyway, so this is what Jesus did. And in fact, over 25 times in, in the very short period of time that Jesus did ministry on the earth, three years, over 25 times it's accounted that he, his disciples talk about him going away to pray. That's a significant amount of time that they would notice. In fact, one of the things that we read about where the Lord's prayer came from is that the disciples were, became so aware of the fact that prayer was changing things in Jesus' life that they finally came to him and said, Jesus, like, you need to teach us how to pray. Because obviously what you're doing, like we're hanging out with you during the day and, you know, we're kind of just nothing's changing. So obviously there's got to be something that you're doing or you're accessing in the night hours when you're praying. And I need to know what is it that you're doing? What are you saying? What's happening in you as a result of prayer? You see, this was the lifestyle that Jesus lived, right? And, and what we have to understand is that there is no substitute in your life for an active and ongoing relationship with the Lord. Could I get an amen? amen? That every single day, there is nothing, I say it, nothing that is more important or beneficial to you than your relationship with the Lord. Okay, Martin Luther has this quote where he says, that I have so much that I have to do today, I have to spend the first two hours in prayer, yeah. right? And it seems so contrary, but what he understood, what that prayer and understanding the ways of God and the ideas of God, that it opens up a new realm for us to live in. It opens up the supernatural realm where God is speaking to us and giving us better ideas, new ways, new ways of thinking. There is no substitute for that in our life. And Jesus, right, we see it in his life that even in his most difficult moment, right, when he's in the garden and he's sweating blood, right? Like, 
how many of you ever sweat blood before? No, like, I've never been so nervous that I was sweating blood. It's never happened. So he's having this moment of intense anguish. And what does he do? His first thing to do is, I need to go and I need to talk to my father. I need to get, I need to get away with the Lord and I just need to pray because I need a new perspective. I'm kind of flipping out on the inside. I need a new, I need something to change. I need something, okay, and he knew, right? He didn't go to the, you know, talk to his friends. You know, he didn't call his mom up, okay? No, what did he do? He went away and prayed. Why? Because he knew what their strength, the only strength that can get me through what I'm about to go through, I can only get that in prayer. And so Jesus did this. It says this, in John chapter 5, verse 19, it says, Verily I tell you that the Son can do nothing by himself, but he can only do what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son does also. Let me tell you, there is power in prayer. There's power in the words that you say when you pray. This is not just some religious ritual that we do. You know, I wake up and I do it. I don't know why I do it, because it's, I guess it's the right thing to do. No, 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 no. Prayer is a mechanism where God reveals to us who we are and what we're capable of doing. I mean, this is the way that Jesus was, right? Jesus thought about the world the same way that we did, right? When he saw water, okay, his initial reaction wasn't like, no, I should walk on that, right? That's not how he felt. No, he was a baby and he got bathed in water and realized you swim in water, you don't walk on the water. But what happened in his time in prayer, what was it? The Lord showed him what, that he was above these natural laws, it showed him what he was capable of doing. It showed him how to access supernatural things. That's what prayer does in each and every one of our life. There's nobody that can tell you your destiny or the fullness of who you are meant to be except for the Lord. You could read a thousand books and it could never tell you what one moment with God can show you. There is no substitute. Why? Not because we owe it to God, but there's no substitute because I need to know where to go. And, 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 you know, I, I, I want to know the right things to do because if, you know, like I have written in my notes here that God has blessed whatever our hands do. Like this is, this is challenging, okay? That it doesn't say that, you know, when you do the right things that God will bless that. No, it says whatever you set your hands to do will prosper, okay? I need to know, right? Like if I'm setting my hands to things and they're about to prosper, well, I want to know that this thing that's supposed to prosper is the Lord. Because sometimes what Christians do is we can say, oh, this is blessed, and so therefore it must be God. No, no, this is blessed because you touched it and you believe it's going to be blessed. And so the reality is, is that I need to know, I need to be conversing with God every day because I need to know where he wants me to go and what he wants me to do. You see, this is what I get in prayer is I get the plan of heaven, the perspective of heaven, and the purpose of heaven. That's what I get in prayer. Every time I meet with the Lord, I'm asking him, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? Lord, I, I pray this all the time. Lord, I thank you that I, I see the way that you see and I think the way that you think. Why? Because I want, I want the Lord to bring me up. I don't want to just sit by and say, you know, your ways are higher than my ways and your thoughts are high. I, I don't want that. The word says I've been given the mind of Christ. And so when I get with the Lord in prayer, what I'm doing, I'm asking him to elevate me to think the way, I want to see the way that you see. I want to understand the world the way that you do. And so I do that through prayer. Number two, Jesus meditated. It says this in Luke chapter four, verse 17. It says that he was handed a book of the prophet Isaiah. 
And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written and said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And then, and then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And then he says to the people, Today, the scripture has been fulfilled. But how many of you know that's a, that's a bold statement? <laughs> that's a bold statement. I tell you something, I guarantee you that this was not the first time that Jesus had read the book of Isaiah. But what, in those 30 years, what, he read it, maybe when he was five, and said, oh, that's who I want to be. You know, maybe he saw it and read it, and it was like something came alive on the inside of him. And he would say, this is what I know I'm supposed to do. And then 30 years later, what? He could stand with absolute confident power and say, today, this has been, this is fulfilled. You're witnessing the appearance of this man that the book, the, the book of Isaiah was talking about. You see, meditation, what it does on the inside of me is it causes me to become the person that I was born to become. You see, the world so desperately tries to label us and put us inside of a box. I mean, some of my very earliest memories are people telling me things that I was good at and not good at. Labeling me this or that, or, you know, you could do this, or you shouldn't do this, or you should try this, or you should be this. The world's so desperately, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that we should, you know, not say anything to children. But what I'm saying is, is that nobody except for the word can show you the true identity of who you are. You see, Jesus did it in the book of, it, it, we see it in Luke through the book of Isaiah, was what he saw something that he knew that he was. This is what meditation does for me. What is I transfer, that I change the way that maybe I used to see myself to the way that the word says that I am. You see, Jesus knew exactly why he was put on the earth. That's why in this moment in Luke, what he could stand there and super confidently say, today this has been fulfilled, because he knew exactly why he had been put on the earth. And I tell you, we have to do the exact same thing. Every day of our life, every single moment, I encourage you, we talk about it. What, five minutes before you, as soon as you wake up, and five minutes before you go to bed, and what happens? What are we doing? What? I'm changing. I'm forcing myself to see myself the way I want to be rather than seeing myself the way that I've always been. You see, I tell you, one of the main reasons why people don't make it to their destiny is they continue to see themselves the way that they've always been through the lens of their failure, through the, the lens of their defeat, through their discouragement. You could never get to your destiny when you see yourself as that person. But I tell you, we get it there the way that Jesus did. What? I see a picture of who I know that I was born to be. Maybe you feel like you were put on earth to be a CEO or a business person, or maybe a pastor or an evangelist or a missionary. I tell you something, the way that you get there is before you stand up and preach your first message, what? You see it first in your mind. 
I tell you, the first time Jesus read this scripture, we don't hear about five-year-old Jesus quoting Isaiah. No, we hear him, what, 30 years potentially later. Why? Because who he was on the inside has been changed. Hebrews 12, 2 says it like this, that we do this, we transform ourselves by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding the shame, and is now seated in a, place of, in a place of honor beside God's throne. I tell you something, a clear vision of your future, what it will always do for it is it will make difficult situations easier. You see, this scripture doesn't say that because, you know, you know, because of the duty that was set before him, he endured the cross. No, but somehow Jesus discovered that in this moment where he knew was going to be agonizing, he was able to find joy. Why? Because the picture of who he was going to be seated at the right hand of the Lord, that picture to him was so real that it didn't even matter what the process was to get there. It didn't matter how difficult it was. It didn't matter how he got there, but the picture of who he knew he was born to be was so real that anything that he went through produced joy on the inside of him. And I tell you how we do this, we must take control of our thought life. Right? Romans 12, 2 says this, that we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. Transformation in our life starts when we decide to change our minds. We have to actively change the way that we see ourselves. Okay? You have to actively change. Maybe this morning you came in and you felt like, oh, I could never do. Change the way that you think about yourself. Maybe this morning you came in and you're feeling like, you know, I just wish that I could be, you know, talk like Pastor Alex did, but I'll change the way that you, maybe you came in this morning and you're like, oh man, you know, I really don't want to be here. Change the way you see yourself. Why? Because when I change the way that I see myself, the word tells me that now the world around me is going to change, that I'm transformed by the renewing of my mind. The last thing that Jesus did is Jesus spoke. He understood the power of his words. Matthew 21, 19, we know this is a very familiar passage of scripture, and it's Jesus, right? He walks up to the fig tree, and you know, everything appears to be right. It seems to be like it's in bloom, and he goes, and he's kind of like searching, like I got a raspberry bush that's at my house, and I'm like searching around for like the ripe raspberries, and I'm thinking, I'm going to rip this plant out, because it's frustrating me now, right? Because I want to eat some raspberries, and Jesus was, you know, feeling the same way like me, right? So I'm right in this, because you know, it's righteous. It's righteous anger, right? But this is the reality, is that Jesus walks up to this fig tree and he wants a fig, okay? It's a little bit of a temper tantrum, but I mean, hey, whatever, it's cool. And he doesn't see a fig, so what does he do? He curses the fig tree, right? He says that no one will ever eat fruit from you ever again, okay? It's a pretty rash decision. I mean, that tree probably took a while to grow, okay? But then what does it say in 2119? It says that, he, he, it says that you may, may you never bear fruit again, and, you know, Matthew makes this account and says that immediately he saw the tree began to wither. There is power in the words that you say. You know, I started to think about this because I'm like asking the Lord, you know, I, I want my words to matter. And I want to say something. I want to curse the raspberry bush. Actually, I wouldn't curse it. I would bless it. That it would have thousands of raspberries and it would, it would bloom in the winter, Right? <laughs> 
But I'm asking the Lord this, right? Lord, I want to know. I desperately want to know how do I get power into my words? And immediately the Lord spoke to me and said, take a look at the things that you say over yourself. And immediately I knew what he was talking about. Imagine that everything that you said actually happened, okay? Like, take a minute and think about all the things. You know, this stupid car never works, right? Okay, you know, oh, my husband, he never picks up his hats, Danielle. <laughs> I like hats, people, okay? But I tell you something, what? Imagine that you want to get power into your words? Start speaking on purpose. You know how I know, okay, that I'm getting better, but you know how we know that we don't believe that our words have power? What? Look at some of the things that we say. You know, oh, my back is killing me. Really? It's killing you, really. Oh, we're so poor. We're never going to get out of debt. You know, I loved it when my aunt did that, right? She had that statement, you know, and that's just the way I like it, right? <laughs> oh, that's a good one, right? You know, we're in debt, and that's just the way we like it. I feel so sick this morning, and that's just the way I like it. My husband is such a jerk, and that, folks, is just the way I like it. But I tell you something, what happens in us is I realize that if I want my words to matter, I see it when I realize that everything that I say, I actually want. Right, because the scripture says that to us, right? That life and death, blessing and cursing is where? It's in my mouth. I have the right to speak over situations and see them change. And the way that I know that, I'm, that there's more power happening in my words is I realize that I'm becoming very selective on the things that I say. What do we need? We want power to be in our words. Uh, where's the scripture? It says this in James 1. Well, like uh, the person who, you know, has, you know, blesses, you know, in one thing and then curses, you know, and then blesses and then curses. And this is what it says in James 1. Let, that, let not that man suppose that he will receive, what, anything. Think about, ooh. I'm telling you, like, if we could change this, our words, like, think about that. You know, I, you know, oh, oh, it even, like, bothers me even just to talk about it. You know those times when you just want to complain? You know, or you see somebody do something, you know? It's talking about that, right? That, you know, you bless the Lord and you bless his children, and then you want to go and, like, turn over here and slander one of his children, right? And he's like, let that man not, let him not think he's going to get anything. But, I mean, how true is that sometimes in our life? We complain, we gossip, we murmur. We, we, we aren't grateful. What does the scripture say? Well, until we understand how to change that, we, we shouldn't expect anything. But what, how easy is it not to change that? I mean, maybe some challenging for some people. But I tell you something, if we can learn what it feels like to control what we're talking about, things are going to change. I mean, I think about it like this, right? And I'm closing. First close, everybody. First close. This is definitely a first close. I probably have like maybe two, possibly three, okay? I think about it like this, right? That like Jesus, you know, or God, he's in heaven and, and you know, he's getting ready to create the world. 
and he's just like thinking about it and seeing it. And, you know, it's, you know, in the beginning, what, you know, what happens is, you know, God is just brooding over everything, you know. And then it says, in the beginning, God said, dang, Jesus, it's dark in here. <laughs> right? No, but you see, even God understood. Even God understood what, that what he spoke had power. That everything that he was going to say was going to create. What, and this is what, it, what, what, what we understand about faith, is that faith speaks what it wants, not what it has. Faith talks as if the thing had already been done, even though in your life, maybe you don't see it. You know, sometimes that's where people struggle in this faith process. And see, people will say they're a realist, you know, which is basically like a pessimist in disguise, right? That's what a realist is. You know, they say like, I'll just call it as it is, right? And I'm telling you something, and that's totally fine, right? That's cool that you could do that, but like James tells us, you probably shouldn't expect anything, Okay. But this is the reality, is that what faith says, I, come on, like, I know this is challenging, but I want to tell you this morning that these are the basics that are going to get us into our promised land, okay? This is one of the things that people say about Kenneth Hagin, is that he literally didn't even have a bad word to say about the devil, okay? He understood the reality of the power of his word so intensely that he literally never said anything that was negative, and the worst part about it sometimes is that we speak the worst about ourselves and our situations, okay? But faith sees into the future of what it wants, and it speaks as if that thing is already a reality right now. Right now. That is what begins to change who we are on the inside. These three simple concepts, I promise you, if you will just do that, Here's the deal. I challenge you. I double dog dare you to find a partner, somebody who can be totally honest and keep you accountable to these things. Okay? Like Danielle and I do this in our house, right? We do the, and that's just the way I like it. Actually, I do it. She hates that I do it. Okay? But what is it? The reality is what? It's simple. Okay, like I, there was somebody else who preached a while ago and they did the, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Why? I tell you something, what that person did to you, it is not worth your blessing. That thing that happened, you thought you should have got that promotion and you, it, it's not worth your blessing. There is nothing in your life that's worth that's why the scripture says, what? That I would remain rooted and grounded in the love of God. Why? Because when I live there, the scripture promises me in 1 Corinthians 13 that that love in my life, it will never, he will never, ever, and never fail you and never turn his back on us. He's absolutely ready to do in our life everything that we've asked him to do. Amen. So Heavenly Father, we're so grateful this morning, Lord, for the simplicity of your word. Lord, that you said that it's, our, it's beneficial for us to remain as children because when we live like children, it's easy for us to understand and enter into the kingdom. And so Lord, we're declaring that this morning. We're not gonna overcomplicate it, but we're just gonna do that. We're gonna watch what we're thinking about 
and we're going to watch what we're talking about. And when we do that, Lord, we're expecting that you are, that you will, God, do in our life exceedingly abundantly above and beyond. In Jesus' name.